Lewis. Thank you so much for coming on, Christian. I appreciate it. No, it's good to be here. Obviously, now with Joe as well, and, and sort of the added extra I am, I guess. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's uh, good to be here and sort of looking forward to getting into it, really. appreciate it. First off, I just wanted to ask and say, can you just explain to a bit about, to everyone about what you do? Yep. A bit about your story growing up and yeah, the yeah. main reason of why we brought you here today, please. Yeah, so um, essentially, I uh, at the moment, I basically work in construction recruitment in the city. Um, and prior to that, I was sort of focusing on uh, a football career, basically playing professional football from sort of the age of six all the way through to about 22, 23. So I've sort of gone through a journey of, of wanting to be a professional sportsman, as I know a lot of young kids obviously do. Um, and sort of transitioned now into working in the city. Obviously, it's nice being with all my friends and stuff like that. Um, so it's been a weird sort of environment and change for me going from a focus to not really knowing what to do um, and the unknown and now sort of a little bit more stable than what I was maybe a couple of years back um, coming out of a professional sport. So Yeah, that's awesome. Um, obviously, I know you through my brother. You yeah. went to school together yeah. and he spoke incredibly highly of you. One of the main things I, I remember of you is you left school quite early to go to Norwich. Were you yeah. part of the Norwich Academy? Yeah, so I was, I was part of the Norwich Academy, basically. And I was still actually at school when I started playing for Norwich. And I was essentially just going and uh, away on sort of day release, as they would call it, um, where I wouldn't really play sport at school. I would just go and train with the team um, and train with sort of the, the scholars at the time, which were the years above me, um, on day release. Um, and it was just something they did. Obviously, it made, made me have to work a little bit harder in mm. other areas at school but um, and try and find the time elsewhere but yeah so I was taking sort of time off school to go and basically focus on sport and focus on football. What was that like sort of at a young age being in an environment like the Norwich Academy and yeah, the, sort of being away is that away from home? Or yeah from so home? I, I was away from home eventually after I, I left school I was away from home for like two three years basically staying in digs and it's a weird environment where you're kind of in someone's house kind of living in their spare room and also sort of using all of their equipment. So it's like, it doesn't really feel like home, but the longer you stay there, obviously it becomes more homely, I guess, for the yeah. period of time you're there. Um, but it is, I guess, as, as what age would I have been? I was 16, 17 at the time when I was staying in digs. So it was a little bit daunting just, you know, turning up on like a Thursday, Friday night for after four or after training, just staying in someone's spare room. and it's tough them, as well. Well, they're just cooking you food yeah. and like, it's an unknown, you know? It's just, it's just like... Oh, we've made you this for dinner, and you just kind of you'll eat it and be polite, you know. <laughs> even if you didn't like it, so regardless, they were always a good standard. But even if you didn't like it, you just you were polite, and it, and it was just nice to be able to go somewhere. But also, I was in Norfolk, so it's two hours away, so I was sort of travelling up, and that was a new place. Part of the world, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, it was, well, yeah. it is. It's a different place, but it, it was quite daunting. I mean, when I first started doing it, I was a little bit sort of nervous. I think the confidence thing comes massively into mm. it because maybe I wouldn't have been sort of adverse to speaking to you know, older individuals at a dinner table mm. where a 16-year-old talking to, like, a 50-year-old about different things. You know, sometimes the other, there's a different gap that you have to bridge there. So that, that actually helped me a lot when it came to sort of, you know, understanding of people and things like that. Yeah. Do you come from, like, a predominantly football-based family? Is it is that is that what the vibe was? Yeah. I swear, uh, at school, was there football? Yeah. Was so it, it was there... mainly rugby and stuff. So I, just, I remember yeah. watching you play rugby and you were just... The most unbelievable—I swear to you—the most unbelievable athlete. When I was just watching you in in all sports, like one of those naturally gifted guys who yeah. just like worked hard. And but football wasn't really a main thing there. No, was football it? wasn't a main thing at school. Um, and I mean, I was good at rugby when when we had the ball, but without the without <laughs> the ball, you wouldn't see me tackling. You know, I think there was a few times where I sort of ducked out of challenges and just kind of left that to them. your brother probably but um, but yeah the football family uh, essentially so my granddad was a manager for a long period of time my old man wasn't any good at football but he loved it um, yeah. and that's just how I got brought in I'm a Spurs fan so I've just been brought, brought up <laughs> been, I love that yeah, I love that been brought up um, basically football but uh, going to the school that, um, Haleybury with Alex and stuff like that I think the, that sort of made it a little bit sort of more rounded in the sense that I got to play other sports. Otherwise, mm. I think I would have just been predominantly focused on football and there wouldn't have been any other sports that I really focused on. So that was good. Yeah, what was what was next after Norwich? I think I could be wrong. It was. Do you go back to the Crystal Palace Academy for like under-18s? Yeah, and yeah so, so I did one year at um, Norwich, uh, um, basically as a scholar. So you get given a two-year scholar. I had a two-year scholarship. Um, I ended up leaving after about a year and a half and did... The rest of my scholarship at Palace, 
Um, for a few reasons. Um, one, because there wasn't a great pathway for me at Norwich. There was also some very good players ahead of me. So mm-hmm. it was looking unlikely that I was actually going to even be able to progress there and actually get to that professional contract stage. And that's because of the players that were ahead of me in terms of the levels that you had to be at just in that academy. There were some good left-backs at the time and that's the position I was playing. Um, so it was just a decision that was made from a coach literally moving from Norwich to Palace, said, did you want to come over? And, and you know, both clubs sort of agreed and, and my manager at the time was happy to see me, not happy to see me go, but happy to let me go because he knew that actually, you know, I'm just going to be hitting a ceiling there and not maybe, bit, yeah, yeah, maybe it, my progression would have been held back because there's people who were actually just that step ahead of me at the time. Um, those guys still playing. Yeah, so yeah, so um, so one of them actually plays in the Premier League, so Harry Toffolo, Harry who Toffolo, obviously yeah. United Toff. Um, another one still playing in the league, guy called Ben Wyatt. He um, recently played for St Albans, so mm-hmm. good level football still. Um, and they're, they're both sort of uh, good good players and, and good lads as well. So You were a left-back? Yeah, right. so I was left-back. Uh, I actually moved, it's funny because I, when I grew up playing football, I was playing in sort of striker, left wing, as everyone wants to be. But sort of as it got more serious and got to a better level... It sort of uh, I moved my way back down the pitch, yeah. you know. So and I was never going to be a goalkeeper. Let's be honest. So <laughs> it's one of them that's got to left back, and otherwise I was going to be on the bench. So Did you put it down to a timing thing when you're at Norwich. So those guys were just in a good place at that. Or would have um, always been that. No, they were they were older than me, but also I think you can look at sort of where players develop from different mm-hmm. times. Um, I mean, my de- my best development came when I actually moved to Palace, and after sort of a year. At Palace, my best development came through that, and it was yeah. maybe the environment. Environment's a massive thing, I guess. When, especially when it comes to confidence. I mean, if you're in a in an environment where you're seen to be one of the better players, obviously that makes you yeah. confident, mm. fills you with confidence. Um, and I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't confident when I was at Norwich, but I knew that there was these two people ahead of me who I actually rated highly myself. Mind, so yeah. that's that's in the back of your mind. You know, you come up in walks of life. If you know someone's good at something. Yeah, you know that you're good at something, but you, you also, in the back of your mind, know, am I as good as him? And you do doubt yourself in those regard, in, in those situations, and I think that's something that I definitely did. Yeah. yeah, so when you went to Palace, what I wanted to know is, in terms of, like, mental health stuff and, yeah. you know, what you're going through, you're at a young age, you know, 17, mm. 18, hormonal years, you yeah. know, puberty, you're, you're growing up. What type of stuff would, like, these Premier League clubs have in place to help you guys going through? Would you have, like, advisors or yeah. are you just left to your own devices kind of thing? Fun, funnily enough, just as I was leaving Norwich, they actually introduced, and, and it's, it's weird to say because what would I have been 17, I think, they actually started to introduce sort of a, a sort of a health and mind type coach, um, and it was something they were only just introducing. Um, and it wasn't really prevalent through me growing up that it was even a thing in terms of sort of mental health mm-hmm. um when i moved over to palace i think my mental health was in such a good place and my football was in such a good place and i was playing well that i actually didn't think about it um it wasn't until obviously subsequently i left palace that that sort of started taking a toll on me um really but at palace there wasn't i'd say a lot of focus on you know your mental health it was more there was someone you can go to to talk to but it wasn't labelled as sort of someone that you would go to if you were having mental health issues yeah, or if sure. you were down or if you were, you know, I don't know, having problems at home. There was that person that you could go to if you're having problems at home, if you're having problems with the digs people that you're staying with. There was that person, but there wasn't so much a, a psychologist or anything like that that we could sort of go to. But it has become more prevalent now than it was when I was sort of growing up, and mm. I think that's, you know, for the better, really. Yeah, for sure. So you made your debut... Uh, for Palace when you were 17 or yeah, 17, 17 18. 18 yeah I, I, I believe it was I forget what, 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 was, that, what was that like I mean, yeah, make your debut at such a young age of you it, know people like I saw you come off the bench with Johan Cabana yeah, yeah. Like, no, what it was, was that it, like it was great fun I mean yeah, in, the, in those moments you kind of just think that you've made it um, so but that's the headspace you sort of get yourself in because you're like wow and you kind of start to look at yourself from out of body, if you know what I mean, because you're coming on the football pitch and you're going onto a pitch where there's like the Zaha, Kabai, all these people that you're playing with. and Pinch yourself moment. You, yeah, pinch yourself moment. And, and I think it, 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 it was actually um, only in a pre-season friendly on a tour in South Africa that I, I made sort of a, a debut, so to speak. But it was it was just, yeah, like you say, like an out-of-body moment where you're just like, cool, this is, what, this is what I've been wanting since I was six. Pretty and cool. you've got to like a almost their moment so it was, it's a very sort of uh, 
weird experience, but also one that you sort of remember. I mean, yeah. I'd never forget that that That's day in, in, in South Africa. I saw on the last podcast talk you did, you yeah. spoke a bit about Wilfred Zaha and yeah. he gave you like some sort of advice. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. What, what, were these play- what were these players like? Because like? obviously, you know, we've never been around Premier League footballers. Like, mm. That's such like a cool thing to say, such a small amount of people have done that. What yeah. are these like? big guys like are they are they welcoming to the younger guys are they sort of a bit you know passive aggressive towards you guys trying to take their spot so what, what's think, that like i think it's it, it's like a 50 50 really because what you have to remember is at the end of the day you're basically the person that's trying to take their spot yeah so you know if 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 you come in and you're unbelievable and there's two left backs who are in the squad and you know you're gonna you're basically gonna come on and, and essentially take their spot mm. if you perform mm. You know, you're taking their livelihood away, and I know obviously it's a very fruitful livelihood in terms of the amount that you can earn. But you're essentially, you know, you're the competition within your own club. Obviously, you play as a team to win football matches, but day to day, it's it's tough. It's obviously a, a position where you know everyone wants to be in that eleven. So it, yes, they are welcoming. And to be fair, they get they gave a lot of them gave a lot of support, and and basically the the underlying thing was you know the amount of times people told me I like, wasn't good enough, you know. I can count that more time than I can. People said, "Oh, you're really good," because you know. I think I think there's there's a thing where they say like one percent of people become professional sportsmen or one percent yeah. of people become footballers, and so it's basically rooted in your head that you're not going to make it before you've even started. Um, yeah. yeah, coming back to what we actually Tom and I spoke about when I was on that podcast yeah. is actually if you were to get all these grades and you get one bad grade, you're focusing on the one bad one rather than all the yeah. nine good, the exactly. less good ones. So you've been told throughout your whole young career how good you are as a sportsman. Mm. And yet, one or two, three, four people say it, and you start to believe it in yourself, and that's what plays when you're confident yeah. massively. So yeah, exactly. That's yeah, tough. In terms of like these top players, you know, just speaking about them, Zaha, Kabai, were there sort of like any underlying themes in these guys which they had, like in terms of mentally, were they just incredibly resilient? Were they organised? Were they doing stuff behind the scenes? What what is there an underlying factor in this, or is it more just? These guys are incredibly gifted. No, I, th- I think and, they, and they've worked hard. Yeah, I think obviously the, the gift of come comes into it because you have to be naturally good at sport or a good athlete. Mm. But I think the the sort of um, the work rate and the sort of mental attitude of I don't care who comes in front of me, I am gonna be the best I can be, and and not letting anything sort of waver you on that sort of path. That's the biggest strength is just being able to go, you know. Sod you, mate. Basically, yeah. I'm gonna make it. I don't care that you've just told me no. And that's all the 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 top level players that I came across. That was their mentality, regardless. Mm. And no, you know, if they could have a bad game, but that doesn't matter. That's just a blip. They'll go next game. They'll go and have an unbelievable game. It's and and getting yourself in the mindset of forgetting what's just happened is very hard to do. So, for example, you've played a bad ninety minutes. Forgetting that, ten minutes or an hour later might be very hard for someone like myself but I think these top guys they can forget about it look at it and go well, that's why I was bad in this game I should have done this better and then in the next game they come back and they're unbelievable again yeah. and it, and I think that's the biggest thing is just being able to sort of put things behind you would, you would you say that's the main difference between someone like them and yourself where they were able to sort of forget the bad game and forget the bad press and actually yeah. that's something that really played on your mind maybe that, do you think that's yeah, the big I, difference between the two I, I think keeping sort of a level confidence rather than a sort of up and down yeah. confidence is something that will get will get you very far mm. and I think think in all walks of life I think yeah. you know if, if you can keep a 75% confidence all the time and and you know when you walking with your shoulders held high down the street mm. it's so different to going from 10% confidence or 100% confidence but sporadically yeah. and and I think that is you know not just in sport but in life confidence is such a massive thing and, it, and if you can keep it at a certain level where you you're comfortable in yourself and in your own skin that is where you know I think that that is where you get the best out of yourself as a person and a human when you can keep that confidence and knowing what and you know it's hard to do I mean day to day I go through confidence dips and that's all the time um, but that is I think especially in, in football when they keep, can keep that confidence above sort of certain percentage and they just believe in themselves to an nth degree that is where I, I believe that the next level takes it to because they always say that hard work is obviously the things that gets you over the line but there's a, I think there's like there's not just hard work physically there's hard work mentally as well like mentally to keep yourself that structured 
that's hard work Discipline in itself. As well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I would I would agree with you in in, in saying that that is the, probably the difference. Yeah, I read that. So, from eighteen year old at Crystal Palace, mm. what, what was the next move from there? Because you you had Alan Pardew as your manager. Yeah, so I played I played on loan. I played in the league, which was obviously a massive high point. And and playing in the league was sort of a, another sort of a tick box, I guess, um, because. You know, you're playing in the football league yeah. for for in front of a, a crowd who come to support that club as their hometown club. Mm. Um, so that was great, and I had some really good times um, in the first sort of half of that loan. Um, but then I also had some really negative times in the second half of that loan when I was just out of the team and sort of just knew, knowing that and I wasn't going to come on the pitch, and that mm. was hard to deal with. Um, but I, at the same time. After Crawley, it was basically the rejection of you know you're not getting another contract at Crystal Palace, mm. so that was um, that was a tough one to take. And then from there, I sort of went on trial at a load of different places, um, and and going on trial at a load of different places and getting loads of rejections is something that's very hard to deal with. Um, and I think that's something that's actually made me a lot stronger now than than I actually even realised it would then. I was going to say that coming back to what you were saying earlier about not making the team and then not knowing whether you're coming or going in the squad yeah. is that. Was that injury? Was that sort of just variation of selecting different players, or was no, that yeah. what was that down to? It, it purely comes down to sort of results. I think we we had a really good start to the to the year, and then results slipped off to sort of ten games, nine, ten games in, and and I think the manager obviously felt that me being a young and experienced player, and I, and I, I don't blame him for. It. I probably would have done the same thing if I was in his shoes. He had an older, more experienced player put him in, and results started to turn. Maybe purely because of consistency, because obviously when you're young you're kind of finding out what you're going to get out mm. of the player. A manager is finding out what they're going to get out of the player. And to keep consistent at such, such young age is, is is incredible, really. And, mm. and that was, I think, why I dropped out of the team and couldn't get back in, really, because the other person kept consistent, and I, di- I didn't. And again, it comes up to confidence as well. Once your confidence gets knocked, yeah. you're, not gonna, you're naturally not going to play as well. As that, well. Ca- that plagues in your mind. And if it, you don't, as you said, that mindset thing earlier, once you start thinking about those performances, it eats away at it as well. It, exactly. Yeah. One thing I want to ask as well is, I'm sure there's a lot of young athletes out there. And, you know, I've sort of just gone through it with rugby, yeah. Where you know I was in the Ealing environment, and I was yeah. like, yeah, made it, made it. No, humbled very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Few months straight out back to university, yeah. And that really like knocked me for six. But yeah. Again, like you said before, taught me so many lessons that I just wouldn't have had otherwise. And yeah. I think that's the beauty in like high level sport is it teaches you about resilience teaches you about you know you're going to fail a lot and you just got to accept it and you've got to keep moving forward the question i want to ask was is is there any advice that you'd you'd give to someone who's in that position now an 18 year old 17 year old who might be going out there to make their debut and thinking you know i've made it and this is it what what advice would you give to someone yeah i i'd I'd probably now looking back say to them like remember why you first started playing mm-hmm. because we all start playing for the enjoyment and when you enjoy something and you don't think about it you tend to you know do it without play better or so one I'd say is just remember why you started the journey of, of playing the sport because I think then you'd actually perform better because once you start getting into your own head about okay I need to be I need to do this I need to do this I need to be better I need to be better oh, I haven't done this that's when you start getting on top of yourself mm. I think if you if you if you're just able to go back Right, when I started playing football, like for example me, when I was playing for Benjo Tigers on a Saturday morning, which is just my local team, the only thing I wanted to do all week was play that game of football for 90 minutes. And it wasn't to impress anyone, it was just because I loved doing it. Mm. And I think that's what you've got to you know, look back on and remember, is why you started playing the game that you love in the first place. Mm. And it will probably bring the best out of you because you've got the ability anyway. And a lot of these kids do have great ability and they might not make it for a number of different reasons that actually might not be ability in the end. Yeah. What's it like playing in the lower leagues as well? When you went out on loan, yeah, is that is it completely different? Obviously, I never played football. Yeah, no. I don't think you ever played football either. <laughs> yeah. So, is is that like a completely different environment from from what it looks like when we watch? So, my family are Oldham supporters, yeah, which are like national league team, yeah, and they play like aggressive physical football. Yeah. Really, they don't play the fast diving round. The fans are nuts. No, it's, yeah. it's like great to watch. But is is there, is there like a big difference when it comes to stuff like that? Is it is it more physical and less technical when you get lower down? And I wouldn't say less technical. I just think there's less technical time spent on the ball in terms of, you know, 
it's, it's a results business the lower down you get and mm. obviously the higher it's still a results business but the way you do it is slightly different um it is a, it is much more physical um when you go out and play men's football mm. and y- you notice it straight away because the, the first thing that will probably happen to you if you are a player on loan and they know it's your first game is they're probably just going to stick one on you and just let you know by the way you're here now so you're going to have to you know you're basically going to have to either step up or see a swim like basically mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of those but it was it was a massive step up uh, in physicality and also um sort of a, a massive step up in terms of the pressure because mm. you know everyone else around you is relying on bonuses and stuff to when if you win so there aren't bonuses when you're playing in the under 21s that you to get for getting a win you just oh yeah we won you don't seem to have much of an ego just from the 10 minutes I've known you, but you, did you find that it was hard to go from a, a sort of better standard where you thought you, you could be there and you deserved mm-hmm. to be there? Was it hard to then make that transition of playing with players who were by all means very good players playing in national leagues yeah. slightly below? Was it hard for you to make the adjustment mentally just to play with players that you thought, I didn't really envisage being here um, maybe a year or two ago? In a way, yes, but I think you adjust quite quickly in terms in terms of you're there you're but there basically to prove the person who's basically sent you there or you've got there for a certain reason mm. wrong basically mm. so you know you just want to perform to the best of your ability and i mean in in terms of sort of characters and egos and things you literally get them from however high and high in the profession you are all the way to the bottom characters and egos are just there so you have to basically just be yourself be yourself essentially and you know there are some huge and large characters in football and and you know I came across some great people, um, but the 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 be all and end all basically was that you're all there to try and get higher up the pyramid, in a way, um, yeah. and and even I'd say you're you're sort of twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, journeymen, they still want to play really well and earn their money and earn That's their bonuses true. and and even if they can nick a move, they will still try and do that at that age. So, yeah, no, it it was it was, I don't want to say like a humbling like we said uh, uh, before. It wasn't a humbling, but it was more sort of a um, a realization that actually, you know, the glitz and the glam and the money isn't the thing that you might end up doing and playing because you know you can earn some really good money in football playing in the lower leagues and sure. you don't have to have another job. Some people, some people, you know, work two jobs and play in the lower leagues. Like it's yeah. it's so interesting because you come across so many different people, so many different people who love football and play football for money and can earn money from playing football, but also have other things that are going on as well. So. It was it was good that I actually got that in a way because it, it, it actually put me in front of a lot of people who necessarily might not have met. Yeah. So what's the, what's your view on the Wrexham thing? Because you were saying about making a lot of money in the lower yeah. leagues. Paul Mullen, who's their like star, like golden yeah. boy, star striker. I read an article that he's on five grand a week yeah, to play yeah. national league football, which it just it seems like crazy. That's yeah. like what nearly quarter of a million a year for national league football. How many players are there like that in in and around? I'm guessing Wrexham's kind of an anomaly because of Ryan Reynolds and yeah. stuff. But in terms of the club as a whole as well, like what's your view on Wrexham and the other players being paid like that around? I I, ju- I just think you know if if someone buys a club and they've got a vision to get to the Premier League or whatever their dream is mm. to to do with the club. You know it, it comes with it. Like if you want to pay a striker five grand a week to get you there, and that's what's going to do it, then. I don't think people can complain about it really. It, it, it's not football's fault that there's a lot of money in it. It's because it's such an attractive game that the mm. money's there, um, and and people would, people would probably well, Paul Mullen would probably complain if he was getting paid fifty fifty pound a match trying to get Wrexham, and then he knows that's that much money. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's all relative. But but I think the money the money side of things, are for me the money side of things would. Um, I guess counteract everything else yeah. in that in that in that sense, but no, it's it, it's it's an interesting one because I have watched it closely, mm. but I think they'll probably end up getting near or thereabouts eventually, but it might take a long time. Yeah. So the next thing we wanted to touch on was obviously you made the transition to go to Sweden to yeah. play football. What was that like as a whole? You know, moving country. Leaving yeah. The no, it was actually really great in terms of the how it came about you know I went I moved actually out there with um, one of my mates a guy called Will Hoare who played at Palace with me so we'd been sort of playing away from each other and then come back to playing with each other in um, in Sweden so we moved out there and um, everything was unbelievable so they had a they bought us an apartment food was provided so everything was you know in place for us to do really well um, 
the team are great, the coach is great. I, I, I've mentioned a few times before that it was actually the happiest I'd ever been uh, playing football, but also then subsequently the most unhappy I've ever been. So I had like the 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 two sides of the coin where mm. it was like, you know, you're so you're so happy in the way that you're playing football and how you're playing it, but then at the same time also unhappy come the end of the actual stint in Sweden essentially. Mm. But yeah, I moved out there um, uh, and and joined a team called Sheleftia who were in the sort of north part of Sweden and um, it was a it, it was a good experience especially playing football abroad and living away from home and you know living on my own with a pal that's such a good great thing that you so many you know you've done it I guess so it, living with your mates is quite quite fun yeah. so you mentioned earlier I said it's the happiest you've been yet the sadder what do you put that down to because if it's the happiest you've been on the pitch and the yeah. best you played with your mates and everything else that in itself should be everything right yeah. everything you want in football however yeah. what what did you put it down to in terms of the saddest you've been or the hardest you've Yeah, I, I think I got myself in such a weird place when I was out there in terms of everything that was me as a person, Christian Scales, wasn't there in terms of um, I love my family and stuff like that. So I was being away from family, I found that really hard. And it wasn't hard in terms of I'm ringing my mum and dad up every day. It was just that they're not there for you to just go oh mum do you want a tea or, or she's like well more so she would probably be like to me do you want a tea and I'd be like yeah but um but like it's those little things of just having them close and and I basically became like a hermit in a way that I was just in my room and not doing the things that maybe at home I would I'm always sort of someone who would go out and see my mates and have fun but there it, it came to a point where I was just like going to training going back to my room playing FIFA going back to to training the next day while sleeping, going back to training, playing FIFA. And it was like over and over and over again on repeat and I didn't really do much. And it wasn't down to the people because they would invite me everywhere. I just didn't want to do things. Um, And I didn't really understand it uh, at first. And I think inevitably why I ended up leaving um, Sweden was because I was in such an unhappy place in myself, not because of the football, but just because I just didn't want to do things and it felt like an effort to go and do things. How did that manifest when you were there? Did it, was it just keeping yourself to yourself or did you become irritable? Did you become sort of depressed? Do you think, do you have, looking back on it, can you look back and think the Christian then was depressed or anxious or... Yeah. Because at the time you're sort of in this little bubble of your own, but actually, how did that manifest looking back on it now? I, I don't know whether I could call it depression because you, you don't know, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I couldn't tell you whether it was or not. Like. But it, it certainly was a, 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 an unhappy place in terms of I'd, I'd sit in my room and all I would want to do is sit in my room and play FIFA and then just go to sleep or watch a series. I wouldn't want to go out and just go for a bit of food. And I, I, I just got in a, a situation where that was all I wanted to do. Even though it was making me unhappy, it made me happy to just do that. And it was such a weird, a weird environment where it, in the end I was just like, Maybe it does make you a little bit more grouchy, I guess, actually, because uh, I'm living with someone and, and, you know, negative energy is quite easy to to see when you're with someone. So my mate wanted to help me as much as possible and he actually was very, very supportive um, and I obviously thank him for that. But it there was nothing that he could possibly do or say to me that was making me feel better. Um, it was only once I started sort of talking about it that I started to feel better um, and about it and then subsequently made the decision to come home. Um, and it was like a weight off my shoulders when I came home. I remember coming through the airport, like being down for like months or, or like a month, two months and being down and walking through the airport. Mum, dad, my sister were just waiting for there. And I was just like, God, you know, do you know what? Thank God, mm. like I'm home because I'd got myself in such a bad routine. Um, and I do think it, it, it probably w- did stem from sort of me playing football for a long period of time from like six years old and the only thing I ever felt I had was football. So there, it was like epitomised because the only reason I was there for football was was for football. Mm. So all I was doing was football and everything else was just in my room. So like it felt like the only thing that Christian Scales had as a person, as a character, was football. And once I realised that actually, you know, there's not it's, football's not the end of the world, you know, you don't have to be away in Sweden chasing your dream for the next four or five years and chasing a contract. Once I realised that, it was it was quite sort of a relief, I guess, off my shoulders, and made the decision to come back and stop playing football. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a tough period of time, and I didn't really know myself where I was. Sounds like quite what. a lonely place, there actually, yeah. when you think about it. It was quite a lonely place, actually. It was quite lonely, even though I had everything to not be lonely. Yeah. I was so lonely in my in 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 myself there. 
yeah. but it was nothing to do with anyone else. And mm. that's the weirdest thing. Like everyone else around me was brilliant, but I just wasn't brilliant at the yeah. time. And yeah. that was obviously a weird situation. Do you think sort of coming back, stopping football, looking back on it now mm. was, was the best thing for you at the time and, and sort of getting a fresh start? Yeah. Going into work in the city is that was what you're doing now. Yeah. And you know, doing really well for yourself. It, it was that the best thing for you at that age? How how old are you? Twenty one, twenty two? Yes, I was twenty one and twenty two. Um and I'm now twenty six and looking back, like sitting here, I can honestly say that I have someone someone once said to me when I sat at like fifteen, sixteen, you know, when you come to the end of your football career, don't have any regrets. And People would look at my football career when I ended at 22 and say, he must have so many regrets because I didn't make it or I didn't quite make it. I didn't quite do this. But I can happily sit here and say now that it was the best decision for me to stop playing football because I was the last sort of three and a half, four years that I'd stopped playing properly. Um, I've been so much happier in myself. Mm. And it, it, I guess it's a number of things, the pressure of football. And, and like I mentioned just now, football being the only thing that you sort of have to hold on to. Um, but yeah, it, I think it was the best decision for me to stop playing. Um, and sometimes you have to make these decisions because I still love football. But don't get me wrong, I don't love playing football because of all the things that come with it in terms of pressure and where my head was at in football. Mm. But I still love football, but I'm just happier in myself and going to watch football. I'd rather watch someone else be brilliant at football now than you know play myself. Honestly, yeah, I, I couldn't that. think of anything worse than playing 90 minutes now. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Couldn't. So in terms of like, what, what I always find interesting with, with athletes at this level is, you know, you have all the money, you have all the cars, you know, people look up to you, but all these guys have, like, abusive comments, like death threats on their yeah. Instagram, and all these things I look at, I'm like, why are people commenting that over mm. a game of football? Are there a lot of players who have all this money, you know, the cars, the house, the girlfriend, the kids now, like, who are just, like, deeply unhappy and especially these top clubs you don't see that side of people mm. but the pressure that like these are normal people these aren't you know robots these are people like us three yeah who are out there playing in front of eighty thousand people yeah and just getting abused like that must take its toll on a lot of these guys mentally especially the, the people at crystal palace and yeah i mean i i that's i think let's be honest like there's definitely people in that situation struggling yeah like they might they do probably these people do have all the money and that these players will be still be struggling and it's I, I guess now they've got more support and they can come out and talk to people and it doesn't have to be in the public or anything like that um, but but I, I also think you know in terms of the abuse thrown at them I think to a certain extent a lot of these people got to where they are because they're very good at batting out negatives yeah obviously to a certain extent when it comes and it crosses the line you know in terms of racism or personal stuff and yeah. I think that is where the game needs to change. I think that has to be kicked out of everything. Um, but to a certain extent, these people have been able to bat off negatives their whole life to get to where they wanted to be. So they'll be very good at that. And that's not to say that they aren't affected by the comments because let's be honest, if you had a barrage of comments coming through on a post that you put up just because your friends would like it or just because the fans that you follow would like it, you know, it would eventually take yeah, a toll on sure. you. Um, but I definitely think, you know, there's a lot of players out there who are probably struggling, a lot of sportsmen who are probably struggling. And it might not necessarily be to do with sport, it might be to do with other, other things that people's mental health suffers as well. Um, but yeah, I 100% think that there, there's people out there suffering with mental health that you just would never know because it is very sort of... A, I, I, I was sort of very plain when I was unhappy. I wouldn't really show my emotion. I'd just rinse and repeat like I mentioned earlier. And I was just still the same character when I was talking to people because it was very easy to hide it I think mm, yeah did sure. you did you watch the um, Daily Alley documentary that came out on yeah, yeah. That, that really really highlighted for me a change where do you think that's going to become more of a, a phenomenon because on the surface I mean being a Spurs fan as well I looked at Daily Alley and I thought I was one of the ones that criticised him not, yeah. on, not online but I was one of those he's, he's thrown away a really promising career he yeah. was one of the brightest talents in English football He's gone over to Besiktas and he's basically just parted his way over. And when you yeah. watch it back, everything makes sense. Yeah. You know, the way he, you know, wouldn't turn up for training or he, you know, basically would take the piss. And yeah. Taking for granted the natural talent that he had. However, looking at that documentary back, you can really empathise with him and his, his upbringing, which he didn't need to come out and do. But I feel that that, hope, well, I hope that does change things. I mean, it probably won't, to be honest with you, in terms of the hate that these players get. But I hope that with these more poignant conversations around those sports, not just footballers, but across the world, like Joe Marler and rugby, yeah. is 
do you think that needs to become more of a thing for people to maybe understand a bit better and maybe not target these players or do you think that'll always be the yeah I think I think if you have uh, people like Deli Ali people like Joe Marla and they're they're strong enough to come out and you know say what's going on and, and actually you know show their issues that's going to help a lot of people who mm-hmm. basically see themselves as nobodies mm-hmm. because you know they've 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 got such a big platform and they are using it in the right way mm-hmm. and I mean Delhi coming out and speaking about what happened to him you know you couldn't even write that script if you tried to what happened to him yeah. and you know him coming out and being able to do that he, the message I think he he sort of said I, I just want to help other people now from my story but you know yeah yeah exactly yeah. but and I think I think that is is where it needs to be sort of used the most is you know if they are suffering and they can get through it and they can still come out and smile and sit mm. in front of someone, you know, that should help younger people as well. And I think that that is, the the route that it's going in the minute with that is unbelievable. On on that, do you think that, well, I read some heartbreaking article, heartbreaking article about um, a youth player at Man City, a number of years ago, and now he's like 14, mm. took his own life because of the pressures that was put on him when he was released. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think there's enough in the clubs, even in this day and age, since since you certainly come through the ranks and mm. obviously stopped playing, do you think that the clubs are doing enough, whether it be the FA or whatever, are doing enough to help young players? Because as you said, 1% of players will get through and make yeah. it in, 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 like, well, in terms of their clubs. Do you, yeah, it is probably yeah. less than that. Like it's it, The percentages are so Crazy. small, the chances so are so little. Yeah. Do you think that these players are getting enough, not just education outside of football, but help if they don't make it? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a... a a, a big thing. I don't. I don't think there's enough support networks. There might be more now. Obviously, I haven't been in the academy systems for a number of years now. But um, I, I don't think there is enough support for players who don't know what they're going to do once they drop mm. out of football. Yeah. Obviously, the way it would work, I think, in, in terms of the way it works at the minute, is you just keep filtering down the leagues until you find your level, and then you play whether that be semi-pro or whether that be full-time, and you play semi-pro professional. So that's three days a week. You train on Tuesday, Thursday, and then you've got a game on Saturday most of the time. So in those spaces in between, these younger players will play at that level until a certain age, and then they'll probably continue to play at that level, but then realise I actually need to get a job as well because Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and afford a house, I need to have a family, I need to support kids, whatever it is. Um, And that's how it sort of worked. And that's how I think it's just filtered down. There is no sort of stability in terms of a player leaves... A uh, let's say a Man City for example at um, 16, 17 doesn't get a scholarship has committed a lot to obviously um, football like I did in terms of leaving classes and not and missing and having to catch up on the work so th- they've done that they're sort of just left high and dry in terms of okay well now I need to I've left that club so I need to try and just focus on football so cutthroat, isn't it? It, is, it is cutthroat in a way but I, I also think that, again it slightly um, the way my mind works it is kind of life as well like yeah. you, you know, there is a fifty-fifty balance on it. You mm. know, it is just life. Like if you get fired from your job, you don't see the co- the the company helping you find another job ever, no. do you? So you have to look at it a little bit more, sort of, I guess, as a job, because it, okay. I know if I left, uh, if I if I left my job, I don't think the company that I'm at now will try and help you find somewhere else. That's so that's a way of looking at it as well. True. You know, you you touched on then about like once you kind of stop football, mm. like you're sort of on your own and you're a bit like... Limbo. Yeah, shit, like, what, what do I do? Yeah. And that, a lot of these, like, footballers, you know, a lot of people in the rugby system who are my age now, like, they don't do university, they yeah. don't finish college, yeah. they, they do whatever, and then they're like, you know what, rugby's for me, which in our case, I'm going to make it. Yeah. And, yeah, and <laughs> someone will do their ACL and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think, you know, doing an, educa- or doing an education or doing courses... Doing things on the side when you are like that sort of eighteen to twenty one age yeah. is important, or do you think it's kind of just give it your best shot and find your feet afterwards, or yeah. or would you look back and go, I'm not sure what you did, you could have you could have done stuff, but would if you, if you look back, would you go, yeah, I wish I sort of did uni on the side, whether it's open university yeah. or whatever, or no, I I I wish I actually kept. Um, kept up with sort of my uh, sort of uh, education in terms of whilst I was doing it because 
I would have something behind me to say, well, at least I can put that on my CV and say I've got that. And I never did that. I was never that way inclined. I was never that intelligent when it comes to sort of book smart and uh, doing exams and things like that. I never actually wanted to go to uni. Probably would have gone to uni for sport, um, I think. Only reason why I would have gone is probably for sport because I could mm. continue playing sport and then obviously you get the education with it. Um, but I wish, I wish I actually kept up and did things on the side. But it, it is obviously a, a massive... It's, it's a massive thing to sort of get yourself motivated to do when you're when you playing sport and you're, yeah. you're just like, well, I'm going to be a footballer, so why do I need to do that? And mm. you're in that mindset at that point. So it's very it's very hard to get yourself out of that mindset when you, when your only thing is to be that. Mm. And so you don't focus on anything else. So, But there is actually support work networks now in... Um, in academies where they can, they will, and, and uh, clubs where they will pay, even Premier League footballers, if they really wanted to, could get an education in something. Yeah. There was a guy when I was playing at Leighton Orient who was doing, um, alongside playing, he was doing a sort of law degree, and and that was supported by the wow. club, so yeah. and the PFA. So there, there is there is, is there is things there. When when I was playing at Ealing, just from my point of view, is yeah. when you're with the ones, you actually have a lot more time than you think. Mm. You think, oh, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to play rugby you're there all day you're not there all day you're no. done at like three yeah and you're, you're in early you're done at three yeah like a lot of these guys now i was t- talking to megan about it my girlfriend was yeah. a lot of these guys who are in their 30s now are like shit like i'm doing courses doing qualifications because mm. they they didn't do it yeah and i think that's like so important especially for if you're like 16 17 18 yeah i nearly messed this up really bad it was only my dad being like no keep going yeah keep going where i was like why like i'm gonna play rugby just to clarify, I'm not a professional rugby player now, so it worked yeah. out well for me yeah. carrying on at uni. But it, yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think it's important to have something behind the scenes, and I think that must be a great lesson. Something that makes you more hungry, you know, in work mm. now. You didn't carry that on, but you found your feet, and you, you're doing incredibly well now, yeah. working in your job. And what what type of stuff did sports teach you that you've transferred into your work life now, which gives you an advantage? That you can't just do a nine till three job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was thinking about the whole time. It was nice when I started at nine and finishing at three. Yeah. <laughs> All I had to do was kick a football around for a while. Um, no, uh, it taught me. It taught me loads. I mean, the competitive side of me has never been, um, never left me, and so that's a massive thing. But also, it, 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 the being within a small sport, you meet so many different people in so many different walks of life, mm. and especially, you know, especially when you don't expect it as well. Like you, you could be coming up against someone and playing up against someone that you know is very good at football and after the game you're having a chat with them and they, they might just mention something for a split second and you're like, wow, like, you know, never really thought of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's the biggest thing because it just allows you to talk to anyone because you've, all, you've already met characters like it or had larger characters presented. I think sport is, is a very good sort of starting point for business in a way mm. because you kind of already have those characteristics mm. instilled in you from playing sport the competitiveness you know you have to be sort of sharp and uh, and I don't I mean like mentally sharp yeah. you also have to be really organized you have to be you time management's a massive thing when you're playing sport because yeah. you need to be certain places at a certain time eat food at certain times and all that sort of stuff so it does get you sort of regimented in working in a certain way, which I actually think employers probably really like and would yeah, look at as a massive positive. 100%. Do you think that the lessons you might have learned from maybe taking setbacks through your football career stand you in good stead for the workplace now? Like you said earlier about it being life and obviously growing a thicker skin. Do you think that's mm. given you a thicker skin or do you think that's just how you are as a, as a person? Yeah, I think I, I think... I haven't re- ever really let anything get on top of me, um, and the only time I think would be when I was in Sweden, yeah. and everything just became too much. Yeah. Um, and I think, but I have think I do think it has made me sort of realise that you know, no matter sort of what happens, you still got a good life. You're still happy now. Yeah. You still so anything that sort of attracts me at work, you know, yeah, I can, might come home and be moody about it, but I'm showing my mood mm. rather than the mood being stuck within. And, mm. I, and I guess if you guys have been through mental health. The hardest thing to do when when you're sort of unhappy is show the emotion, mm. and it's the emotion is literally all inside you. But it's just like a blanket. Like you just, you, I I can't describe it to be honest. When I was there, I was actually just me and just being happy, and as I would go about and talk to anyone, but inside it was just like a, a bit dead it was yeah, it was just the weirdest feeling because when I'm unhappy, unhappy, 
I'll tell people why I'm unhappy. When I'm happy, you can see I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm having a yes. good time. But when I was in that situation, it was just I didn't know how to put it. Across. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was almost like I was just like a mask, sort of masking over sort of cracks or or just wanting to just sit in a room with no one in front of me and just say everything that's happening. But there's people listening, so they know mm. that they can help you. But I don't want to look them in the eye and say it, say it to them, sort of thing. Yeah. And that was the weird situation. I think it's it's great. I have a great group of friends um, uh, at the moment where um, everyone's very open about their mental health, and we've kind of instilled that in our group. Um, and I don't know about you guys, if you if you do that with your your yeah, friends, we, I do with my um, friends. You're very open as well. Yeah, and and that's been amazing for all of us because we're all going through different mental health issues at different stages in our life for different reasons but you know that someone in the group that you can just go and talk to and that's quite a big thing i think you know i think making it so you have a safe group of mates who all are okay to talk to each other and know that no matter what you say to that person they're going to react of course they're going to react because it's your mate and they care for you but they're going to react in a certain way that can just give you that sort of hold up to say like you're all right mate like i'm here no matter you, what yeah. and not judge you about it and we've, we've sort of instilled that in our group which is which is amazing and i think that's a, that's a massive thing for friendship groups i think to allow in i think that's actually a big way that um professional sports teams will actually grow as well mm. if the group is very open obviously it's hard because you know not every teammate you ever play with is going to be mm. your best mate well <laughs> so, we, we tried to we spoke about that on the last podcast when we and him when tom actually properly got together and spoke about yeah. it is that actually not having loads of mates but just a few that you really know and trust can mm. make the biggest difference yeah and sort of making it sort of spurs related as much as i possibly can do is like you can <laughs> see it when you're watching the team now like yeah look there's a real togetherness and there's a real yeah. family feel about it and that must yeah that must have been a huge impact on not just the team and the the, the way they play and obviously they're playing great football but mm. also off the pitch you can see it like when you Look at behind. I don't want to see you see behind the scenes, but I love all yeah. the videos where you see them all together on the training pitch, away Having from the cameras. You can yeah. see they absolutely love being around each other, and that's probably what you've probably got with your with your friends as well. Like you yeah. love each other, but actually there's something deeper beneath mm. that that you can actually have a conversation and chat about stuff away from it. And yeah, for yeah, sure, I love that. What What's your plan going forward now for the next you know couple life. years? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's What's going on in um, your life? At the so I So I work in um, construction recruitment basically, yeah. um, and I've been doing that for sort of three and a half years. Um, the plan is basically to just buy a house, um, yeah. move in with my girlfriend, have kids, things like that. Nice. Um, and actually, you know, since fr- from a young age, I've always wanted to have a family, and that was the reason why I was initially doing the driver for my football was because I wanted to buy a house and have a family. Um, everyone has sort of different goals, I guess, but for me, that was one of the things that drove me through my that's, sport. That's really rare, though. Yeah. That's interesting yeah. to say that, because that's that. something that I really would never expect at any football, even post-career, to mm. ever admit, because most footballers are so fixated on just being a footballer yeah. and all the things that come with that. that actually, mm. whether Not necessarily that the fast cars and the fast women all that mm. kind of stuff, it's actually just being a footballer is just the height of any person's career, yeah. whereas... For you to come out and say it's because you wanted the, to buy a house and have it a family. It could get me them quicker, basically. Yeah, it, that's, so, that's, that's amazing yeah, that you're, you would want that for those reasons, yeah. which actually comes back to the whole thing in the first place, is that you took criticism so much to heart because it wasn't actually your driving force to be no. a footballer. Actually, it was the people that might not take it to heart are the yeah. ones who aren't actually caring about those things anyway because it's all materialistic. Yeah. So yeah. It's just being a footballer, is it? They're self-focused. Yeah. Actually, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of allowing things to affect you a bit too much maybe because yeah. the driving force wasn't actually being football in the first place. Yeah, I think I think the I always wanted to be a footballer but that I knew that, you know, the reason why I wanted to be a footballer was to get certain things. And mm. that even at sort of I'd say when I started uh, wanting those things, it was probably sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen mm. when I'd I'd see all my older cousins and stuff and they were all growing up and, you know, having kids or whatever and I, I just I was like, yeah, I want that. And it was the reason, awesome. a big reason now still is why I want to do well in my work mm. because I've, inevitably I want to buy a house, have a family and you know do That's all of awesome. those things. Everyone has the, the certain things they want. There's obviously other things that I also want as well, you know, to, to keep my season ticket at Spurs every year and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, that, that is a big thing in, for me. Um, so to, to sort of answer the question, I guess the, the big goal is to basically, you know, Hopefully live in Hertfordshire because I always have my whole life. And I think how boring is that, by the way? I want to live in Hertfordshire. 
Um, but yeah, probably buy a house in Hertfordshire, have a family, and uh, keep working hard and, and having good fun with my mates. Basically, that's the. That. Like, I've always loved how humble you were, especially like getting to know you through what my brother yeah. said and stuff. And that that was always his thing as well. You know, incredibly humble guy, hard working guy. You must look back on you know these things at seventeen, eighteen, and just go, that's ridiculous. Like I'm and have an immense amount of pride yeah. looking back. And I think that's the nice thing to hear about is you could easily be. Oh, this was rubbish. This is rubbish. but you're not. You're so positive about it, and I think that's such like a refreshing thing to see, especially in footballers. Is you can get driven by this money and become very like toxic, especially a lot of ex sportsmen become quite toxic. But you seem to be thriving. I th- I feel like personally, just getting to know you, this has been the right path for you, and it's taught you a lot of valuable lessons and stuff as well. Yeah, I think it has. I think the um, I don't really think much of my football now. In terms of, um, I am proud of what I did, but I don't really think about it too much because I'm focused on what I'm doing now, mm. and that's kind of where I'm at with all of the that. chapter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm wary of time, so I'm just gonna just gonna end it on this. And this was a question that I got asked on my Instagram poll when I told people you were coming on, and I just thought it was really good. And it was looking back at all the challenges you've gone through. What do you think is the most valuable lesson life has taught you? Cool, that is a, a tough question. I thought it was a great question. Yeah, it is, it is a good question. The most valuable lesson... I would probably... The, the biggest lesson, that, and it, it rings true to me, is that uh, someone once said to me, always treat the um, sort of least important person in the room as the most important, as you would the most important. And I think since I've actually started doing that, you actually earn better relationships with the more important people in the room anyway, because you're not starting off trying to gain their appreciation. You're actually just talking to people as, as, as on a level. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson I've sort of been taught is, you know, no matter what happens. And, and I think it's actually it's quite a big thing because if you come in as a sort of 17-year-old, 18-year-old into a team of, of sort of 20 to 30-year-olds, you're the least important person in the room. So being that least important person in the room, I know I felt that. And that is what I'd say is... is, is the one sort of lesson I would sort of always go on to give because I was taught that is that that you know my first thing to do in a room would be to you know maybe go and speak to the least important not that you obviously know but just treat everyone equally and I think it actually gets you further and earns better um, relationships with people who actually can boost your boost your life that's why I should first yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) Christian what a pleasure man thank you so much for coming on